Hello there. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition, with your hosts, Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales, real life sisters. Yeah. And sisters in the gospel. It's so true. <laughs> Here we and are at the end of March. At the end of March. You, we just finished spring break. We did. And so tell me about your spring break. Uh, my spring break was pretty uneventful, but the b- week before spring break, I got to go chaperone a sixth grade trip science overnight camp in the snowy mountains. And I couldn't decide if you <laughs> North were of Boise. crazy. I didn't go for the whole week. Or I only went <laughs> a glutton for punishment. I only went for two nights with my sixth grade daughter. It was a fascinating observation okay. of sixth graders in the wild, <laughs> literally in the wild. <laughs> so I had like a cabin of five girls that okay. I was in charge of like Making sure they got to the right place okay. at the right time. Okay. There were there were college grad students there to like teach them how to do mm-hmm. these science. So you didn't have to teach stuff. anything. You were no. just there to make sure. Just there to make sure everybody behaved. There was no funny business, no okay. nonsense. Okay. So now, did you sleep in the cabin with yes, them? Yes, I slept in the cabin okay. with my girls. Oh my and gosh! I don't. You, how did you? Did you even get any sleep? Yeah, calling it sleep is a stretch. Okay. <laughs> that is for sure. The second night, one of the other chaperones had mercy on me and slipped me one of her melatonins. Oh. And then I was thinking, if I were really smart, and now I know because I've never done uh-huh. this before. Next time, I'm gonna get something serious. Like, who do I know that has Ambien? <laughs> Oh, you? oh, oh, you honey. got some, right? Yeah. yeah, you just you just come to your local pharmacy, which is my house. I can hook you up with just about anything. Lessons for next time, because <laughs> I could not sleep in that cabin full of girls. Not because of them; they were actually yeah. pretty good. I just like couldn't. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, but well, and you got two more kids that you have the potential to do yes, this for because they do this for all sixth yes. graders. So my oldest daughter, my husband went uh-huh. for half the week. And so this was like my turn with our okay. second oldest. So we'll see if we make it for the next two. Mm. But here are my two observations. Okay. The, yes. The sixth, what, what have you learned from sixth grade girls in the wild? The sixth grade girls talk a whole lot about the boys. Oh, gosh. And they help, like to have dance parties. So that was okay. fun. The sixth grade boys wrestle. All they do, wrestling. That's, uh, that that All seems... day, every day. I mean, they even had like presentations and skits that they had to give on their like uh-huh. science experiments. Somehow they always worked wrestling into the skits and the presentations. <laughs> and then when they had free time, they're just wrestling in the snow. This is like, this, this, this is, is new information for me as a mom of girls, but I do have one boy. So now I'm... Exactly. Now, see, this is not new information to me because (laughs) our cousins, Randy and Ryan, were about 18 months apart in age, and I was smack in the middle of the two of them. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time with them growing up, and they would seriously just get on the floor and go at it with each other. And I would just look at them because I had no brothers, like, what is your problem? That is so weird. Why do you why do you two feel the need to wrestle and beat each other up? But it, yeah, it definitely is a boy thing. So yes, you now you now you have a preview of yes, your life yes. in a few years when I'm, your son is in sixth grade. I'm prepared now. Yeah. Well, you say that, but I think it's really not gonna prepare you until he starts knocking things down in your house because he's wrestling Probably with his buddies. Not. Probably not. So, see, all you can imagine is just how sweet he is now. I know, I know. <laughs> Plus, he doesn't really have anyone to wrestle with yet. With all this, actually, That's... no, he will wrestle occasionally. I will find him wrestling with my youngest daughter. Okay, and and she is out of all your daughters, she is the only likely culprit yes. to wrestle with. Yes, him. she's up for that. <laughs> so, well, I didn't get much of a spring break because my son Mark was working, as you know. He has had the coolest experience for the last five weeks. And you got to do this when you were in high school and you loved it. And our sister Ciaran did it as well. I tried to convince some of my older kids to have this experience and I never could. Mm-hmm. Mark, 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 Mark took a bite at this apple. Mark has been a page in the Senate here in Idaho mm-hmm. for the second half of the legislative session. So they divide the pages into two groups, a first half and a second half, because these kids are seniors in high school and they have to miss school. Right. And so missing 12 weeks of school is a lot. Missing six weeks of school is a lot, but not as much as 12 weeks of school. It's a lot of amazing. It's a lot of amazing. (laughs) He absolutely loved it. He loved every minute of it. 
the first day when I went to pick him up, um, because I just dropped him off every morning and then just picked him up. Mm -hmm. And it was, well, it was a lot of work to drive him there and drop him off. You know, he didn't have to fight parking or anything then. But the other thing too, was I got this time in the car with him every day in the Mm -hmm. morning and in the evening. And in the morning we would listen to news podcasts. And in the evening, he'd tell me about his day. It was like the best mother mother son bonding anywhere. So after his first day, I asked him, I said, Mark, scale of one to 10, how fun was this? And he's like, level 10 fun. Oh, you know, this is a kid Mm -hmm. who he's not, he's not into sports. Sports aren't his thing at all. And he really, I mean, he's very much into history and politics. So this was right up his alley and just such an incredible boost to his self-esteem to go and do this. And so he knew during the second session that, you know, one of his weeks would be during spring break. So he wouldn't get that week off. So he didn't get that week off. I know that's a sacrifice. That's how you know he loves it. He's willing to give up his spring break for it. Exactly. So, you know, he got to see how the sausage was made, Mm -hmm. (laughs) be that good or bad. Or not made because nothing's happening. (laughs) True. (laughs) So anyway, he just, he had a really... He just Mm -hmm. finished it up and he had a really incredible experience. And so I would just encourage all of our TWIM listeners out there to check into your legislature. Every legislature, every legislature has pages. Some of them use college students. Some of them use high school students. Mm -hmm. But if you have a kid that that sort of thing is right up their alley, he learned more in five weeks sitting in the legislature than he learned in four years in high school. Oh, so same here. It was one of yeah. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my young developing exactly life. Exactly. And my senior year, all of all my history. You know, you take government your senior oh, yeah. year. My government teacher showed us JFK the movie. Oh gosh, the, like <laughs> multiple times. So I definitely got more <laughs> out of a. I yeah, mean, watch Jeff I loved him. He was a great old guy. He was like a like this close to retirement. Yeah, so clearly, I definitely got more uh, experience out of yeah. that than I did out of high school government class. Exactly. <laughs> so. so now the bummer is he has to return to high school. He's got literally graduation is two months from today. Oh, he's going to be. Yeah, today was his trunky. Today was his <laughs> to first use day a back. Missionary term. And yeah, it's it's going to be a long sixty days for mom. Is yes, all I have to say. Yes, so. it is. Okay, wait. You said you have, right before we we're about to record. You said you have beef with my steak. Oh, that's right. Do I you totally, want to talk about that now oh, yes, or later? Totally what is wanted, your what is I your totally beef with my steak? Want to discuss the beef with? Your I don't steak. know how you could possibly have beef with my Zion steak. Your your steak that's extra and a little special. <laughs> yes. Well, your steak that's extra and a little special seems to think that other steaks need to join them in being extra and a little special. Oh, are they trying to get you on board? Let me guess. Is this to help with their Living Last Supper artwork? This is exactly living, right. Living art. They're and to help with their living art. So apparently, so so they have, I, apparently rather than have the same cast every night, different nights they're having different casts of oh, the okay. living art because one of the counselors, I believe in my bishopric, is going to go play one okay. of the characters. Well, because they've extended it this year. Yes. Okay, for much for those of you that don't know what we're talking okay, about, yes. my steak. background. My steak. Um, Your extra steak. My, my steak that's a little over the top, but loving. <laughs> they do, they started a, several years ago this Living Last Supper where they recreate, you know, the famous artwork and they have people in full costume posed in front of a backdrop. It's actually insanity when you see it. It looks just like it, it, it does look really cool. The real I mean, thing. their production. I'm going to give them props for their production so, values. This is not a <laughs> fly by the seat no. of our pants. They throw it together. They tear the apart paint. the chapel. Not tear apart the chapel. They somehow take off the podium and turn the entire like thing into a stage in the chapel to yeah. do this. Anyway, but they're extending they're, they're it this year hints from the from the tabernacle. They do that at the tabernacle. They have oh, yes. stages and all sorts of things. There's professional lighting, yeah. sound equipment. There's a whole thing. Yes. So they are extending it. They're extending year. it. This must be why they're asking for help because I yeah. think, I can't remember, I can't remember how long it was last year, but the original year they started it, which was maybe 
probably the year before COVID. I think it was the year before COVID. Um, it was like a week, like it started on a Tuesday or Wednesday mm-hmm. and it went through Saturday. So it was really only three or four days. Okay. But this year they are making it like 10 days. Is it 10 days? So I thought it was only like five. It goes over ten. a Sunday. It oh. starts on like April 6th and it so goes. So what are they doing for your chapel? Well, we're, we're getting kicked out of the chapel on Sunday, April 10th. Since oh. this chapel is like a stage now. Yes. They are sending us to other buildings for sacrament only. Oh, interesting. So our ward has been sent to some other building for like a 130 sacrament only meeting huh. for that week. Anyway, well, be- so this is my guess as to why they're picking on you. It's longer, so they need more people. And that is exactly <laughs> right. So so one of the bishopric members is in the cast. Okay, uh-huh. I don't have a problem. You, you need some cast members. But like they sent out these like really long sign up mm-hmm. things saying, we need ushers, we need volunteers, mm-hmm. we need this many people from your stake. Da, 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 da. I'm like, um, when did we agree to be part of their chaos? <laughs> Why are we part of their chaos? They're extra. We don't need to be extra. You're all extra now. Apparently we're we're so. reeling you all in. <laughs> well, and, and, and I mean, I'm saying this and yes, there's mild annoyance, but at the same time, it really is an incredible gift to the community. And they are saying, hey, you know, bring your neighbors, invite mm. people. You know, it really is a good missionary tool, a gift to the community. But like I said, I wanted to be asked first if I wanted to be extra. Right. I didn't move into the geographic boundaries of extra. You did. <laughs> yes, I did. Unknowingly. <laughs> Here, This is what I think will be interesting. We have a stake women's conference the night before this event starts. Okay. In our stake center in the chapel. So I'm, and it's called like the women in Christ. It has to do with okay. women in Christ. And so, this is the same building that they're turning same, into a same stage. Same building that they're turning into a stage. So I am speculating, I think we're going to get some type of something to do. They got to use that stage in whatever they're doing for us, right? Oh, so they will, this isn't a situation where they're going to have the women's conference and then construct the stage after you think they will have the, have to have had the stage already set up. That's what I think. I don't think they could set it up that fast. So I'll, I'll report back on that. Yeah. Report back on that. I'm kind of curious. So yeah, that's my beef with your steak. Okay. Well, should we do some news? Note taken. Okay. It is a slow, slow Slow news week. A little bit of a slow slow news week leading up to conference. Leading up to conference. I don't know if this means we're going to have like major news in conference, but I think this is fairly typical leading up to conference. I think things quiet down. Everybody's prepping for conference. Well, sometimes, but sometimes like things trickle out. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. But anyway, so forgive us tonight for what we for what we do because you know we can only work with what we have. (laughs) And right now, it's not much. But we we, don't have a lot. We got some good ones. Okay. Okay. So first, now you lead us off. I have not read this. First article we're going to talk about. I really did enjoy this one. Actually, this was one that the Tribune, Salt Lake Tribune, released um, a couple days ago by Peggy Fletcher Stack, and it is the Peggy Fletcher. Yes, it is all about the current Relief Society presidency, who we. Many are speculating maybe soon to be outgoing release To be president. the former Relief yes. Society president. So they have been in five years, which is really hard to believe, oh, right? yeah. Man, time goes fast when there's a pandemic okay. thrown in the middle. I think we can so. place money on the fact that they'll be replaced. Right. Well, if history follows tradition, True. then they probably well, will. Well, we should say recent history because there were right. presidencies of the past, Bill Stafford, that stayed for years. (laughs) So yes. So Peggy Fletcher Stack did just a really good write-up on this Uh outgoing, potentially outgoing presidency and just um, the great strides that they've Mm -hmm. made. And you know what? When I first read the the title, she was, I think the title said something about how unique this presidency was and how, you know, they've really changed things. And I was thinking- are they? Are they? And then, as I read the article, I, I was reminded of lots things of the things done. that they have done, and they really have been quite busy during oh. their presidency. Um, and they really just have taken, you know, they've just done things yeah. a little bit differently yeah. than some of the presidencies of the past. So, as you know, we have uh, Sister Bingham yes. as the president, and her two counselors are Sister Burbank and Sister Alberto. Um, and you know, she says in the article. This is, you know, we've got a single sister, mm-hmm. Sister Burbank, and or, or uh, 
she says, this is not the first time we've had a mm-hmm. single sister in the presidency. This is not the first time we've had um, someone from another country mm-hmm. in the presidency, but this is, you know, they've done things yeah. their own unique way. So um, first of all, she talks about how um, they didn't use the primary voice when they spoke to us. <laughs> they spoke to us more like oh, adults. Yeah. Um, and then I, she... I just, there has to be training. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Yes. And for then, that. Because I, I don't know how you'd speak that way. <laughs> I don't know. So bring it, church brings in a vocal coach. I don't know. It's, it is very interesting. Okay. Anyway. And then she talks about um, just all the unique service that they did and really a lot of like interna- uh-huh. international service oh, and cool. speeches and talks. Mm-hmm. And then um, she talks about all of just the wonderful talks that they gave that were gospel centered, but they really always related it back to themselves as being real people and how they frequently shared their own trials um, during their talks. And then do you remember the video they put out? I think it was during the pandemic. It was really good. It was a video with all three of them. And they talked about um, how between just the three of Mm -hmm. them and their families, they've had, you know, financial problems. Oh, yes. Infertility. Yes, I do remember that. And they they gave actual numbers. I do remember that and I loved it. six family members with LGBTQ. Um, They have, you know, two of them are divorced. Uh, Two have chronic illness. Nine of their family members have addictions. And I think this was not only for the Relief Society presidency, but the General Relief Society board as well. Oh, was it all of them? It was was not only the presidency, but also the the whole board. board. Yes. Yes, that's right. Just to kind of represent the diversity of challenges and experiences that the board has had. Yeah. So they talked about that video. And then as, as I was reading this article, I was reminded that every single one of these sisters, all three of them have talks that they have given in conference over mm-hmm. the past five years that have stood out to me, oh. like been stellar yeah. talks, like yeah. the kind of talks that yeah. you go back and rewrite. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know what? I do think that is rare Yes, for all three members of this presidency yes. to have at least one that is really just like outstanding goes talk. down in history yeah. as like, oh, that was one of those talks. Yeah. Um, and then she does a little write-up about each one of them. Little write-up on Sister Bingham. Um, she quoted her daughter um, who talks about how she is always withholding judge. Like she is not one to judge. She's mm-hmm. open and accepting of everyone. And she says, you know, I have a full-time career and graduate degrees instead of children, but my sister's a stay-at-home mom of five. And she said her mom has encouraged us both in what they're doing and mm-hmm. has been just a cheerleader to both along the way, no matter what they're doing. Um, they talked about um, Sharon Eubanks, and she is like has this reputation of just they quoted uh, someone that is a family friend of her that said she is the best aunt in the world, Aww. not only to her own nieces and nephews, but to dozens of other children and young adults. She just takes people under her wings. It says um, they also quoted this friend as saying that at least four families had designated her in their wills as their guardian if oh, anything dude. would have happened to their children. So she just has oh, this wow. reputation of just like <laughs> taking people in and loving on people. Uh-huh. And then um, Sister Aborto, um, she has talked frequently about, like, she just has had an amazing life. She lived through the earthquake in Nicaragua um, and civil unrest in that country. Um, her brother died in that earthquake. Oh, wow. Um, and then also her father committed suicide, and she's been very open about all these, mm-hmm. and she's been divorced, and she has just lived a life. And it just talked about how so many of the Latino saints mm-hmm. and Latina saints can really relate to her yeah. um, and feel a connection with her yeah. um, sharing those experiences. Anyway, so I, it was a really cool write-up. If you want to just read a little bit more about those ladies um, and kind of sums up a lot of their time yes. in their presidency. It's a good one. Okay. Well, that does sound good. Mm-hmm. Leave it to Peggy Fletcher yeah. to, to do an in-depth so um, our next article, which is, you know, again, kind of conference related, the Relief Society one is somewhat conference related mm-hmm. because, again, we expect they will probably be released, um, it, which, you know, will be interesting because, you know, they usually do the releases in the afternoon. So will they have at least one of them give a goodbye talk in the morning? Oh, that's right. Because we have our women's conference that night. I know. So I'm assuming we will get to hear from all of them one more time. Since I we, hope so. Since we do have our, which I am very excited that they have brought back 
the women's nighttime session. Are I, you happy about this? You know, I, I, I am because, and Jeff talked this about this a little bit in the podcast. I can't remember it was last week or mm-hmm. when I was with him, but just the, um, you know, the third session was just kind of, eh, okay, more conference. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything special. And right. when they got rid of the women's session, as well as the priesthood session, we talked about the loss of tradition, Right. you know, of tradition. Going of with your daughter. Going with your daughter mm-hmm. or the boys going with their father and just kind of the sadness of that loss of tradition. So I am really right. glad the specialty sessions are Me too. Are, are and well, back. and just for us as women to be able to hear, we're going to be able to hear from so many more women. Exactly. This conference um, during that session. Exactly. So. Exactly. So anyway, so yes, I am excited about that. Our, you and I, our plans for Saturday night, whether we are together or not, are still a bit up in the air and indetermined, undetermined, but uh, we're we're at least going to watch it. Yeah. So, all right. So Temple Square renovation news. Um, you know, Jeff kind of touched a little bit on this last week when he was talking about they are limiting conference attendance to 10,000. So we know that the conference center seats 20,000. They're limiting it to 10,000. You know, of course, there was speculation this was COVID related. But Jeff was also talking about, well, Temple Square and what's going mm. on with Temple Square. And he's like, can you really funnel all those people oh, through the no, church it's plaza? It's a mess. It's a mess. Well, the thing is, is. Last week when he recorded, the church plaza was still open. They are closing off the church plaza. That's wait, what's considered the plaza by the fountain? Yeah, that strip of land. Oh, that I thought it was to, all closed already. No, that strip of land that used to be the street that the city deeded to the deeded to the church so that they could make the plaza by the reflection fountain. By the reflection fountain. So they're closing that off. They're closing um, everything to. The east of that, like mm-hmm. the fountains and everything, all the grounds that are in front of the church office building. And so there is really not going to be any way to get around mm-hmm. what I like to call one church plaza. Right. Unless you park in the garage under the conference center and go up, that'd be the yeah. only way to get there. Because like literally mm-hmm. the only thing that the only part of Temple Square or mm-hmm. and including one church plaza, which I include, you know, the church office building, the Joseph Smith building, the um, administration building, all of those buildings there, you, you will still be able to go and walk between where the tabernacle is and where the, um, uh, and, and where the temple is kind of in that area. So you can look at the renovations of the temple. You will not be able to walk on the other side that abuts the Joseph Smith building. You're only going to be able to get into the Joseph Smith building through the front door. And other than that, you're like walking around the block. There's no direct cut through that I could see when I looked at the map between, um, the the south side of Temple Square and the north side of Temple Square. So I thought that was really interesting. And so that whole plaza area is going to be closed from April 2022 until late 2023. Right. Okay. And I thought I saw in the article they're making the reflection pond bigger. Is that right? Let's see. This is the Main Street Plaza efforts will include. And you know what? I bet they probably closed this off after conference, given the Mm -hmm. fact that they said they're going to close it from April 2022 until late 2023. Mm -hmm. They probably will wait till after conference. So the Main Street Plaza efforts will include inspecting and repairing the plaza deck. And so that would be like if you are if you are walking uh, in between in that what used mm-hmm. to be an old city street, you can tell it's a deck. You know, they, it's not just the city street. They've put um, I don't know concrete mm-hmm. like square paver things there. Um, updating the plaza's waterproofing system refurbishing the north and south entry fountains, installing a larger reflecting pool. You were right. That surprised me because I thought when they first shut this down, they had said something about getting rid of it. Was that just in my head? That must have been in my head. I don't remember them getting rid of it because that reflecting pool is so iconic. That's where you take the pictures. Because yes, it reflects the temple and you take the pictures and you get lovely, lovely venues. Well, 
I'm glad they're making it bigger. More room for more brides. Exactly. More room for more <laughs> brides. Because if you've ever been there on a Saturday in the summertime, they are moving brides in and out. And groups are waiting for the next picture venue. In fact, I kind of wonder, do they have a diagram for photographers? Okay, you go to this picture venue first and then this right. one and then this one. So they can keep everybody Let's keep this flowing orderly. in the same direction. Keep it orderly. Because leave it to the church to keep the picture taking orderly and have diagrams they, as to how the pictures should be taken. The church can move a crowd. <laughs> they can I was move just to say at BYU, they know how to do a live. Maybe not quite to the level of Disney, but they're What close. about to the level of Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A mm, can move a line. Not, to, not quite there, but okay. they're, they're close. They're close. I say third runner-up okay, <laughs> to Disney enough. and Chick-fil-A. <laughs> um, refreshing the landscaping design to better integrate the plaza with the church office building, plaza area, and the Salt Lake Temple grounds. Um, and it said the church did publish a map showing available pedestrian access points to and from the Temple Square buildings during the plaza closures. So from my looking at the map, there's not going to be a lot of access. Hmm. So, All right. Anyway. Okay. Moving on. The next article is very confusing. Sorry, I made your printer. Do. Oh, my printer's. I, I, I touched hmm. a button I shouldn't have touched. I'm <laughs> so sorry. So that noise is Arianne's printer. All right. Because it's operator error on my part. Well, the, oh dear. Sorry. It's bidding something out. The next article is very confusing. BYU made a list of top 50 party schools in the country. Uh, hello? This makes no sense. It makes no sense. I don't think this is the official list that usually comes out because, you know, usually we make the, they release the party school list and then they release the stone cold sober, sober list. school list. And we are number one. And I can't remember sober. what publication does that. Do you remember? I don't Is it remember. like USA Today or? You know what? Let me look that up. You look you it tell up. Them about well, the I'll tell you about this. this because was done by Barstool. This was done by Barstool who, who I think they're fairly new at this. I don't think that they've been doing this for very long. <laughs> so really? um, they said that, yes, BYU is on the list of the top 50 party schools and they are number 13. And um, even though, you know, the, the guy who wrote the article said, well, our alcoholic beverage, beverages are certainly not required to make a party. It's widely assumed that beer-fueled beer uh, party usually propels schools to such lists. So it is the Princeton Review oh, who Princeton does Review. the party school okay. list and Stone Cold Sober. All right. So I don't know, uh, but they got some funny comments. It said on Barstool's Instagram page, there were a lot of comments about this and many people were disagreeing with this choice of putting BYU on the list. Uh, someone said, y'all must have been crazy. Y'all must have crazy Red Bull parties. Yes. Uh, so I don't know. It said Barstool did not release its criteria for creating the party school list, although it did claim the data was compiled by the American News United Syndication. Whatever that is. Someone that's trying to sound official. Maybe I need to look that one up next. <laughs> you know, here's what I think. Let's just let's just look up that United. What is it? American United? News United Syndication. It's probably not even run in... America. I bet it's some like overseas. <laughs> Just see it. Let's see if I can type fast enough here. American News United Syndication. Anyway, so there you go. Everyone's very confused. And um, well, I have a theory. You want to know my theory? Yeah, what's your theory? Okay, so it there's United Media, but I don't see any American oh, News United is Syndication. Some made up thing. I think it might be some this made is, up thing. This is fake news, people. <laughs> I think this literally <laughs> might be fake news. That and Barstool is trying to drive clicks to their yeah, site. Yeah. And so I I I because I can't find this this United, what was it called again? United News, American News United Syndication. Yeah, I cannot find anything on that and doing a simple Yeah, Google I think too. This so, is some clickbait. I think it's some clickbait. I think they're making it up. I think they threw BYU on there because they knew by throwing BYU on there 
that that would increase their clickbait because everybody would go, how did BYU make number 13 as a party school? That doesn't make any sense. Right. And so I think it's totally web driven. Uh, I don't think there's much merit to this, especially when they're not releasing their criteria. Because if you were proud of your study, you'd release your criteria and say, well, here's the criteria for why we chose what we did. The criteria is... Especially when you have an outlier like BYU. Some intern just got to randomly pick. (laughs) Someone who was a page in the legislature, just like my son. Hey, page boy, make a party school list. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Anyway, that was good for a chuckle. It was very good for a chuckle. Okay. So our next story is the story behind the CTR ring. Have you always <sighs> wondered what the story was behind the CTR yes, ring? Yes, I thought this one was super interesting because I, I never too. knew the history. And I thought the CTR ring had actually been around a much longer than Me it too. actually was. Yeah. And now in looking at the story and like factoring in my age, I'm like, I might have been one of the first people to actually get a CTR ring. You probably were. Because... Um, they, they, the C, the creation of the CTR ring occurred in 1970. And so it was part of the primary curriculum committee. They were going through and they were doing curriculum and they really had no idea when they created this CTR ring, what the heck it would turn into, you know, 50 years later. And, um, so, and for Latter-day Saints, it's been a simple expression that's been, you know, part of our cultural lingo, because not only will you find it on rings, you'll find it on other jewelry, socks, t-shirts, bumper stickers. It's, it's kind of like a, a badge of honor. And so, um, and the phrase choose the right. Right. Again, that wasn't something it's not found in scripture. It really hasn't, you know, wasn't in the early vernacular of the church or anything. There's one reference to a talk made by Brigham Young in 1964, where he says that um, we are free to choose as him. You mean 1864. 18, yes. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yes. 1864. He said, God rules and reigns and has made his children as free as himself to choose to choose the right or the wrong. And, um, but where the term choose the right really got into the vernacular of our culture is the song choose the right. Right. Do you remember learning that? Even though it's in the adult hymn book, do you remember learning that in primary? Everybody learns that in primary. Exactly. And so it was written sometime before 1909 and it was included in the book Deseret Sunday School Songs back when we used to have Sunday school. So then in 1970, the church's general primary board, which was eight women, created the green CTR shield and recommended it be used on all official church materials. Shortly thereafter, the new CTR curriculum, including the CTR shield and ring, were introduced as a reminder for children to make good choices and throughout their days and lives. And so the CTR ring is in 28 languages. And so my recollection when I was a kid that when you went into the eight-year-old class to be baptized, that's when you got your CTR ring. I think they've bumped that up now. I think as soon as you get into the CTR system, which I think happens after sunbeams. They give them to, even my sunbeam got one this year. Are you kidding Now they give them, and they give them to our entire primary at the beginning of the year. So every year the kids get a new ring. Because they probably know that that ring from last year is long gone. Exactly. Let's well, just see, give you know, another. I got my ring and I, you know, I probably lost it immediately. And you had no option in the 70s to then, right. like, go get another ring. It's very precious back then. And very precious. So. so according to the Deseret News, the original committee chose the shield representing shielding the children from temptation and the green background to represent an evergreen tree that stays constant from season to season. Did you know that? I had no idea. I did not know that either. Here's the other thing too. So they're going through and they're trying to, you know, so they've got their shield, they've got their color. Now they're trying to figure out what they're going to put on there. So they thought about RC for right choice. (laughs) This was so interesting. But they felt that was too close to Roman Catholic and RC Cola. Which is caffeinated. Which is caffeinated. (laughs) So that would have been a big no-no back in the 70s, right? We're a little over the caffeinated (laughs) 
So does these days. Was that a thing in the 70s? Oh, it was so a thing in the 70s. Like, you were a Jack Mormon if you drank caffeinated soda. Like, you, definitely you were RC on your ring. You were not a member in good standing. <laughs> anyway, so they eventually landed on CTR or Choose the Right. Now, here is a very, another very interesting statistic from this article. Uh, according to the Salt Lake Tribune in 2005, so granted, this is a little outdated by almost 20 years, church distribution services in, because, you know, they're not going to give us fresh information. Mm-hmm. Church distribution services sold more than 522,000 rings in 2005 hmm. in 24 languages internationally. Yeah, we need some updated data. I know. Well, and the first ring sold for 35 cents a piece. Today, a buck twenty-five will get you a CTR ring. Not bad. At least the ones that the church does. The green ones. The green ones. Not the fancy gold ones. Not the fancy gold ones. You could pay a lot more money if you wish to upgrade. You can even have diamonds put in your CTR ring. Oh. I've seen some of those. I actually knew a girl that had a CTR ring for her wedding. Are you kidding no, me? No, I'm not kidding. Kind of different. <sighs> that is different. <laughs> Yeah. That, that would not be my choice. It was a very fancy one, but. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. So next story we have is about missionaries. Well, one in particular who are not able to go to the temple before their mission. Oh. This was an interesting little write-up on Elder Ulyss, Elder Suarez. Yes. Um, he is now doing a bunch of press and tours for the new temple um, in Rio. Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, which, of course, he's from Brazil, yes. so he's got close ties there. And Jeff talked before about how they like to send – President Nelson likes to send him to the ones that are special to them. Exactly. So he is – you know, doing all that. Um, but the whole article talks about how he was not able to go to the temple and get his endowment before his mission, which I'm sure was pretty common back then because well, there were less temples. It was. It said that, you know, his family lived in San Paulo, Brazil. Mm-hmm. At that time, they had announced a temple in San Paulo, and I think they were constructing it, but it wasn't done. Right. And so the closest temple at that time was Mesa, Arizona. 6,000 miles away. So, yeah. It's hard to remember that, like, it, like it, that's how it was when our parents yeah. were growing up. Exactly. Um, so that was kind of a hard pass. Yeah. So, and it hasn't been like that for many, many years. Yeah. Almost all missionaries are able to get yeah. their endowment before their mission. Because they generally these days don't have to travel 6,000 miles. Right. Um, but that was not the case during the pandemic. No. And it talks oh, yes. about how during the pandemic, so many missionaries were sent out without mm-hmm. um, getting their endowment first because temples were still closed That's and good. you don't want to keep, I mean, what do you do? You got to carry yeah. on. You got to send your missionaries out. Yeah. But I do think that's a really interesting thing to think about um, because it said that um, even like the missionaries, there's even missionaries going out now mm-hmm. that are still not able to, depending on where they live, if yeah. it's too far. But um, sometimes they'll go to a mission and be able to do it on their mission. Yeah. And that is hard to think about. Like, can you imagine doing that without your parents there? Well, you know what? When they were, because I've had a couple of friends uh-huh. that this has happened to, okay. that they had to send their kids out okay. uh, on their mission without having gone through the temple because the temple wasn't open. Right. And then when, once the temple opened, they let them go through on their mission but they gave parents the option that they could fly to the city okay. where they were going through the temple and go through the temple with their kids. Okay. I wondered so, how that worked. Yeah. So it was an option for parents, you know, not a requirement uh-huh. or anything, but if they wanted to, they could go do that. Cause I had several okay. of my friends who did take advantage of that and went through with their kids right. on their mission. And I'm like, that's kind of a unique, cool experience. That would be unique and cool. Also, I think it would be, as a missionary, would it be overwhelming to have that experience in the middle of your mission versus like before? I don't know. Because or do you think it would be better because you're on like such a spiritual high? That- Elder Suarez says in the article, which I found really interesting, he did not get to go to the temple until he was nearly complete That's with his right. mission. He only had a couple months left. And they had finished, he's in Rio, and they had finished the San Paulo Temple. And so he gets permission from his mission president. There was a group from Rio that was going to the San Paulo Temple. 
And so he got, including a stake president. So he got permission from his mission president that he could get on the bus and go with right. them because his companion had also not been through the so temple. So they both wanted to go through. And the mission yeah. president said, okay, the stake president's going to be responsible for you. And the stake president agreed. And he agreed to stay with his companion. His his parents met him at the right. temple. So they traveled very far. And that Well, they, no, they were already in San Paulo. Oh, right. They were close. Yeah, uh, they were close. But they brought his brother too and they all got yes. sealed. So he got his endowments and then they got sealed together as a family. And he talks about in this article, just the power that he, mm-hmm. it gave him and the understanding. And so in some ways, I think, you know, maybe if you've been out on your mission for a few months and you've been really, in, you know, into the gospel and right. praying and doing the things that the missionaries do that just constantly allow them to have the spirit with them. That, you know, maybe the temple experience at that point is just becomes so much more meaningful because Elder Suarez said it really did. It sealed his testimony. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it's less overwhelming when you're already, you know, immersed yeah. in gospel 24-7. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was a cool article. And, of course, he's thrilled to see um, the new temple in Rio. Yes. Just all about ready to be dedicated. And um, he says it's like a dream. Yeah. So very, very cool to yeah. hear his experience with that and yes. see his excitement for that. Exactly. All right. What's next? Okay. So we are going to pivot to the new Supreme Court nominee, Katanji Jackson, Brown Jackson, um, because when her, her confirmation hearing started last week, And when she was introduced to the Senate, she was introduced by a gentleman who is named Thomas Griffin. And um, he is, not only is he, um, he is a retired U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit Judge, and he is the former general counsel at BYU, making him obviously a member of the Church of Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ of Latter-day Saints. And he had some really interesting words to say about Judge Jackson. He starts it off by saying, I come here as a jurist appointed by a Republican president, and I come here as someone who understands there are fewer, few greater responsibilities under the Constitution than serving as a justice on the United States Supreme Court. And he goes on to describe Judge Jackson and the things that he appreciates about her. And um, he says, and I thought this was very telling, he says, Although we did not always agree on the outcome the law required, I respected her diligent, careful approach, her deep understanding, and her collegial manner, indispensable traits for success as a justice on the Supreme Court. And I just really appreciated his remarks because a lot of his remarks were focused on partisanship and just the division that partisanship is creating and the number of um, Republican uh, judges, federal judges who were endorsing her because, you know, regardless of her political beliefs, you know, she really does have the qualifications to be Mm -hmm. a good Supreme Court judge. And so kind of a, you know, a cool shout out to a member of the church, um, uh, uh, Justice uh, or uh, Judge Griffin, who, um, you know, was able to make these opening remarks for what is a very historic Supreme Court nomination. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Very cool. Okay, next article is about BYU. BYU honors Jewish Passover with a model cedar dinner. Um, I did not know this is something that happens every year at BYU. I did not. And it's been um, since the 80s. We since were both the 80s. There. I How know. did we not know this? I'm actually really mad that I never went to this when yeah. I was there. So it was started in the 80s by a professor named Victor Ludlow and now um, Jeffrey Chadwick, who's a BYU religious mm-hmm. education and has also worked with the Jerusalem Center. Um, he has carried it on. And of course, they couldn't last year with COVID, but they brought it back this year. Um, they model it um, based on, you know, all the traditions of Judaism and the Passover. And he talks about how uh-huh. much of our heritage in Christianity is related to that. And so they do this as just, you know, a really cool thing yeah. in, in relation to Easter and learning about um, Jewish traditions. And 
Well, and they said in the article, which I thought was interesting, mm-hmm. they don't do it on the actual like Passover days because they don't want to be infringing on this ordinance. Right. They don't want to pretend, you know, that they're engaging in this right. ordinance. And they they're careful. Have respect. They're careful to call it a model. A model. Cedar. Exactly. They're not actually calling it a cedar. Um, anyway, so they have this dinner and he ex- like throughout the dinner, he explains the symbolic meanings behind the prayers and the food. And um, the Hebrew songs mm-hmm. and the chants and how they're significant and how they relate to Christian beliefs. And I saw the picture that, you know, they had some uh-huh. pictures along with this and it was clearly in the ballroom at BYU and it was clearly catered by, B- you know, the classic, <laughs> yeah. classic yeah. BYU catering table with the layout and the dishes and the napkins and the table yeah. and the yeah. gl- those BYU glasses, they've been there forever. I was looking at it and I was like, oh man, that just brings back so many memories. And I'm also just really sad that I never was aware this was happening when I was there. And maybe I wouldn't have appreciated it in my young 20 something naivety. But now I would go, how do I get in? Can I just like show up? See, did I look like a 22 year old college student? Yes. No, I don't have yes. four kids. This is really embarrassing, but the closest I have gotten to a cedar dinner is watching one on Real Housewives. Oh, gosh. And it erupted in a fight. It was an awful, like, horrible, like, what? travesty. What <laughs> genre of Real Housewives were you watching when they were doing this? It was New York City well, Housewives, yeah, and it, was, it was not a great representation. I'm sure the people that were putting on the dinner were horrified. <laughs> well, either that or it's like, hey, you invited the Real Housewives. What did you expect? True. They, they kind of have a reputation. <laughs> okay. So the next story, we got we have a little story out of Ukraine. And this is written in first person by a gentleman by the name of Jason Stout. And um, Brother Stout is a member of the church. He actually served a mission in Ukraine. And then he and his family have been living in Kiev for six years Uh And of course, when the war broke out, he talks about they had to leave their home behind, a house that they built. He says, you know, it may soon end up as rubble, just another casualty. And so he gets his family out of the country and then he crosses back into Ukraine in order to meet with some friends and get some vital belongings they had left behind when they fled. And he talks about having to wait in very long lines to get back across the border again and just how cold he was, but it was nothing compared to the suffering of others. And he says, you know, for most of us, and I think this is really true, he says, the concept of a refugee is so foreign, we can't even picture it. Most of my friends in the developed world will never experience anything like this. Too often we ignore them or wish we could ignore them. And he just talks about kind of his experiences being as a refugee, just how blessed he is. They're not living in a refugee camp. Um, he didn't have to leave his family's fate in the hands of strangers. So, you know, he doesn't say where he's at. No, I'm really curious who, where they're at. It sounds yeah. like maybe somewhere in Europe still. Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, maybe they had some friends or somebody that mm-hmm. they can stay with. But he also talks about how he's gone and tried to help others and that he and his wife, I really liked this. My wife and I are spending every waking moment late into each night helping our friends who are still in Ukraine and any others we hear about, coordinating escapes, shelters, and sending money, but we still feel so powerless. It seems like we simply take turns crying throughout the day. We are emotionally and mentally exhausted, but then we remember the courage of those who are actually fighting in the streets, and we must muster the energy to keep going. And he talks about family and friends who have sent him money so that he's able to help some of these refugees. He also talks about an ancestor of his that he turns to, which I really liked. He says, my ancestor, Hosea Stout, served as the chief of police in Nauvoo and was the personal bodyguard of Joseph Smith. And he was a refugee almost 200 years ago. And he talks about Hosea Stout and his family having to flee Nauvoo. And that, you know, he, 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 even before becoming a refugee, he worked with refugees and he would keep this picture on his mm-hmm. wall and explain to them, you know, I, I, I have this in my heritage. I don't fully understand now, of course he does, but, um, 
uh, that, you know, he would have some connection to them. And he says, Ukraine is a very special holy place. I knew it for my first day as a missionary back in 2001. The saints are some of the most sincere, resilient, and incredible people I've ever met. And he concludes it by saying, please pray for us. Ukraine needs and deserves all the help it can get. So I I just really liked Mm -hmm. that because, you know, it's easy in the beginning to, oh, this is so tragic and, 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 you know, pray for them every night Mm -hmm. as it wears on and it becomes more commonplace. It's easier to forget that we need to do, have those prayers for the saints. It's going to be a long, long term thing. So, all right. I will do one last story before we move on. You may recall president Nelson. He is a big fan of the NAACP. Yes. And that last year, he and the Reverend Amos Brown uh, got together and they decided they were going to do this partnership that they announced uh, that will provide $6 million in humanitarian aid over three years to inner cities, $3 million in scholarships donate donations over as many years, and a fellowship to send up to 50 students to Ghana to learn about Black, American, and African history. So they are they have started accepting these applications for these students who want to do this fellowship uh, from Ghana. And they're accepting applications through March 25th. And the fellows will spend 10 days in Ghana from July 31st to August 10th. They will be immersed in Guyanese culture. They will learn about the Atlantic slave trade and receive deep insights into their ancestral lineage. And they are hoping that this experience um, will help equip students to build bridges between communities, become social justice leaders and ambassadors for racial justice. But what is really interesting that made this story in the news this week is these individuals who are selected as fellows, they have a reading list before they go. And on their reading list is a talk by President Nelson. His remarks at the NAACP 2019 National Convention. And so they will be required to read his remarks and understand what he has to say. So I know I did think that was interesting. I thought that was pretty cool to say the least. I guess that's how it works when you donate money, right? There you go. (laughs) Y'all go read my talk. Go read my thoughts. But you know, I mean, it's good because President Nelson wants to build bridges with the NAACP and he wants to have an understanding of them and he wants them to have an understanding of us. Yeah, it is. So that we can build those bridges. And it's fun to see the updates on what's actually happening yeah. like the wheels are moving you know exactly so that's exactly cool. so all right all right we Mormons. don't have a lot of mormons behaving badly the mormons this have not been behaving badly they've been very good leading up to they've, conference they have been very good and because i did mormons behaving badly when i recorded with jeff two weeks ago um but since then in the last two weeks all is quiet all is quiet on the western front and you know what that means that, that means we're going to get a spurt. That's exactly how in, this works. In about a month. In about a month. <laughs> I'm going to have so many Mormons behaving badly. I'm going to have stories just coming we're out of my ears. Rolling, various behavior. Rolling our eyes. We do appreciate it when Mormons behave nicely. Yes. <laughs> but I do have just a little bit of a brief update for, you know, we love a good Chad Daybell, Lori Vallow. And the judge ruled just this week that they have to have their trial together. The attorneys were wanting to separate the trial. And the judge said, no, 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 no. We're not going to separate the trial. Now, this is very bad for them, right? Oh, yeah. This is really bad Because for them. their evidence together much worse. Oh, Alone, yeah. not yeah. quite yeah. as awful, yeah. even though still awful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the only problem is, is she's still in the funny farm. And so until they certify her that she is not crazy and can stand trial. So is he just going to sit in jail? He's just sitting in jail. Until she can be on trial. Until she can be on trial at the same time. that seems fair. So, (laughs) you know, there you go. All right. Should we move on to favorite things? Sure. Okay. Well, I can hardly wait to hear what you are going to say your favorite thing is. This is my favorite thing lately for the month. Okay. Um, We watched a documentary a couple weeks ago. That was so good. And it's actually one that our 
younger sister told told me about. Have I? Have I? I don't think you've heard of it. When when I went to California, she was telling me about it. Oh, so she um, tells you about it, not in the group text. But huh? now I'm telling you about it, so okay. you can go watch it too. <laughs> so. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, this is good because I'm just kind of in between shows right now, and I'm looking for something. New. Okay, this one was so good. It's on Hulu, and it's called The Donut King. The Donut King. The Donut King. And oh, this, do tell. This, oh, I might be watching this. This is when one I, go to sleep. I never in a million years would have okay. found if she hadn't told me about okay, it. Okay, so what is the so, premise? The Donut King King is about this guy named Ted, who was a Cambodian refugee in 1975, um, gets put, gets sent to America, put in a refugee camp, eventually, you know, integrated into society in Southern California. Okay. Um, He decided to like get to work. He's like, I'm going to live the American dream. So he um, tried a, a donut for the first time. Oh gosh! Fell in love and was like, I wouldn't fall in love with I, the fried pastry. I know he's like, I want to work for the donut people. So he goes to um, Winchell's, which was the big. Oh yes, all over Winchell's Donuts, all over the west, well. all over the west coast at the time. Okay, and he worked for them for a little while, learned the tricks, learned the secrets, and then he opened his own donut store. And more and more donut stores. And then as these Cambodian refugees came over, you know, at first it was like yeah. a, a few family members. Yeah. He'd, he'd get them involved in the donut business. Oh. And then it was, you know, friends of a friend or yeah. friend of a family yeah. member or so-and-so's great uncle. Yeah. And he would just bring them in and put them to work. And really? he ended up just dominating. These Cambodian donut shops just ended up dominating in California, like Southern California, so all the way up out to the Winchell's? Yes. They they took over like being the dominant donut maker. And at that time, Dunkin' Donuts was trying to get in on the West Coast too. And they also, you know, knocked them out of the Anyway, so it's kind of the rise and fall of this, you know, refugee, Cambodian refugee. Does he have a fall in his business too? Well, you'll have to watch and find out. It's it's the rise and the fall and the the saga and the the drama of the donuts and the family members. And to this day... There is still just a huge community of these Cambodian donut shops in well, California. How fascinating! And I'm I just s- had no idea. And I'm so I really have to watch and that. I also learned a lot about what happened in Cambodia in the seventies, which I had no idea. And we have a sister-in-law from we Cambodia. We do have a sister-in-law from so Cambodia. I was. I felt like, of course, oh, she wasn't born. She wasn't. In the 70s. She wasn't born yet. But I felt like, oh, this is like really huh. some good background to have. Anyway, it was. One of the best documentaries I've seen in a long time. Okay, I am gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go watch. The, I start watching that. The tonight. Donut King. The Donut King on Hulu. Okay, so my favorite thing is a cleaning product. Oh, I love a cleaning product. Uh, well, you use this cleaning product, so I know oh. you love this oh. cleaning product. Everybody I know uses this cleaning product except for me, and I finally bought the cleaning product, and I was like, well, now I know why everybody uses the cleaning product. <laughs> what is it? It is the Dawn Power Spray. Oh yes. <gasps> I love the Dawn Power Spray. Now, I keep my regular detergent. So I've got my regular dish soap plus the Dawn Power Spray because I use the regular dish soap for different things that yes. I use the Dawn Power Spray Me for. Me too. You've got to have both. But one of my favorite things to use the Dawn Power Spray for is I have a gas range, just like you do. And it does, it never fails. Every night when I cook, I get grease and crap and all over the gas range. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can usually, if I'm cooking every day, you know, usually by about four or five days, it's pretty disgusting. So I just take my Dawn Power Spray and I spray the whole thing down with my Dawn Power Spray, let it sit there for a minute, and then I wipe it away. It is seriously the easiest way to clean my gas range. It's really good at grease. It is so good at grease. And so I do Mm -hmm. the backsplash behind. I do my vent above. I'm just like, where have you been all my life? So I am a big fan of the the Dawn Power Spray. I'm I'm a little late to the party. But I did make it to the party. Here's my only complaint about the Dawn okay. Power Spray. The scents. Oh, see, I just have the regular. Does it come in other scents? It comes in all kinds of scents. And I finally found a scent that is acceptable to me. Okay. The the, so, ci- the citrus scent. So what don't you like about the regular scent? I don't know. The regular scent doesn't smell like regular Blue Dawn. I love the smell of regular okay. Blue Dawn. But the Power Spray smells different. Okay. Yeah, you're I right about that. I can't describe it. It's just not as good. And then- one time I tried the green apple. Disgusting. Okay. Um, what other scent? There was like a fresh 
scent. Okay. Something fresh. Didn't like it. But I do like the citrus. Okay. Well, and you and I have similar scent issues, so I probably would like the citrus. The other thing that I did with the Dawn Power Spray is I had some sort of a grease stain or something. It was a grease stain um, on my office carpet because my chair had rolled off of the chair mat that I have and it left this black grease stain. So I just took the Dawn Power oh. Spray and I hit that black <gasps> chair grease stain I with the Dawn it Power Spray. On clothing. Oh, I bet it probably would. We're gonna have to because experiment. Regular Dawn is my favorite thing for getting grease yes, out of clothing. Me that too. is a I keep a little mini bottle of Dawn me in too. my in my um in my closet. So that if I ever have anything that has grease on it, I just put a little dab of Dawn, put it in the laundry basket, yes. and then by the time I wash it, voila, the grease is gone. Yes. Dawn, it's an amazing product. All right. Well, I think that does it for the week. I um, Happy conference, everyone. Yes. Enjoy this weekend. And, you know, get your cinnamon rolls out. That's that, right. I, a lot of people do cinnamon rolls for conference. That's it's a great right. tradition. LDS Living had, you know, leave it to LDS Living. Of course. They had a post for four fantastic breakfast recipes for conference. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> if you're looking for breakfast recipes for conference, hit up the LDS Living. So. Yeah. Yeah. And Jeff will be on on Sunday night. Yes, Sunday night. They're going to do a conference Jeff recap. and friends. Jeff and friends. Probably not us yeah, might, this time, but he'll have a variety. Yeah. yeah. I, we think we have some other conflicts this yeah. time that are not going to. Not going to allow us to participate, but we will certainly listen. Mm-hmm. So for sure. Anyway, thank you, Twim Nation, for joining us today. And we appreciate your support. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can write a little email at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. Go straight to Jeff's inbox. So send all your complaints to him, not us. That's how we like it. That's how we like it. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter. I'm sure Jeff will have his tie tracker going. He always does. Oh, yeah. I just put up temple predictions. Temple predictions. And if you really want to be a super fan, join Patreon. Be a a subscriber supporter. Three bucks a month. Keep our lights on. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for listening.